Welcome to Side Effects with an A. When effect is normally used, it's a noun. It's already occurred. Effect is a verb, meaning action. Action influences outcomes. I'm Scott McGowan. And I'm Anne-Marie Singleton. We will provoke you to think differently. Side Effects, where problems are defined, solutions exposed. Welcome to Side Effects. I'm Scott McGowan. And I'm Anne-Marie Singleton. How's your life going? It's going great. How about you? Good. Hey, do you have your Christmas lights out yet? The lights are on, but nobody's home. So no Christmas lights up yet. How about you? Yeah, like two weeks ago. It was like 65 degrees. Perfect. My neighbors came outside like, Scott, what are you doing? Yeah. And I'm like, hey, Tiger, if you check the weather, it's going to be 30 next weekend. Yeah. And uh, so when you're out here in your mitts. (laughs) It's going to be so cold. I might come outside and say, hey. Yeah. No, it was perfect timing, and I think you were very smart to put those up. Well, so. we'll see. Yeah. And I'm kind of a Christmas fan. Yeah. I like it. I enjoy time. it. Holidays yeah. are a fun time. So we're not on video today, and it's unfortunate because you got a great tie on that matches your glasses, and no one gets to see it but me. Yeah. You know, so I, I, I need reading glasses because I'm 52. Mm-hmm. And um, what's amazing is we have a lot of people in this building that are in their 50s that need reading glasses. So... I try to buy them funky so they're orange. Yeah, they look great with like a yeah bamboo sides or something. So uh, you know who has great reading glasses? Dorothy Lane Market. Yeah. Uh, but if like someone's not going to pick these up and say these are mine. Right. Right. They're going to know they're yours. No, right? they might say, um, I wonder if these are a girl's. But they're not going to say <laughs> these are mine. Right. Well, they're very nice. Well, they're very thank nice. You. Thank you. So, um, okay, so today we have something interesting to talk about. I think it's interesting. So, um, you ever watch late night TV? Um, not anymore. <laughs> I don't watch late night TV anymore either. I can't stay up to see it. But I think the last late night TV that I probably saw was David Letterman. Now, he's been off the air for how long? Uh, long time. Yeah. Five years? At, at least. And so, but he always did this top 10, right? And um, I thought the top 10 was so hilarious. That's what I always waited to oh, hear yeah. when I watched it. Once that was done, then I, I turned it off and went to bed. Um, but believe it or not, the healthcare industry also releases a top 10 things that they're looking forward to or concerned about or interested in um, for the coming year. And that is done through the Healthcare Executive Group every year at their annual forum. So today, we're going to talk about the healthcare top 10. What, which is really interesting, too, because normally we would talk directionally about what an employer's number one concern is. Mm-hmm. So from a health plan perspective, what they're concerned about, which is different. And I bet um, as we walk through these top 10 that many of these issues uh, correlate, at least the majority of them. Yeah, I would agree. And so thinking about this in terms of, again, these are folks, the healthcare executive group, our health plans, PPO, health systems. Um, that's who's serving us, though, right, in the insurance world and in the healthcare world. Um, we're, we're using or renting a network. We're using a healthcare system to provide the care. And so interesting to hear what these things are and how they correlate and relate to employers and employees. So I'm not sure these are rated in order. They do vote on them, but we'll just go down the list. So the first one is clinical and data analytics. Yeah, I think the power of data is gigantic. And who he or she who has the data probably has the power in this marketplace. Mm-hmm. So historically, the carriers have always had it. Right. And, uh, and it was financial data that they gave us, mm-hmm. historical financial data. So then how are we going to get our hands on that? Uh, how are our customers going to get our hands on that? But I think really at the end of the day, what they're looking for is historically healthcare insurers would negotiate a price 
right? And they would be concerned about the length of stay and um, the disease state of their membership. But this big data allows them to make really big decisions moving forward. Right, right. It, it allows them to take a clinical look at it as well as the financial look at it. And if you think about it in terms of improving patient outcomes, um, that's the real goal here. And when you improve patient outcomes from the health plan side, um, you should improve the cost structure for the employer and the employee, right? right. Everyone should win if everyone is using this data um, in that fashion. So Yeah, because historically what you think about is really the cost of health care is a combination of the price times utilization. Mm-hmm. So if carriers can get their hands on this data, then what they w- might want to do is steer people mm-hmm. towards organization that would have higher quality. Right. And you've heard this term, probably, evidence-based medicine. We're practicing evidence-based medicine. What data analytics allows um, providers to do and health plans to do is look at results and look at what the treatment was and, and what the outcome was and then formulate an evidence-based model. So more to come on that, but that is a very big um very big topic, both for employers and health plans alike. Yeah, and we would just encourage health plans, too, to disclose that information. Mm-hmm. I mean, strategically, you want to do it internally, but externally, that information allows all of us to make better decisions. Yeah. The second one is population health services um, organizations. So population health management, big strategy, gigantic. It's a buzzword that's probably been in our industry for the last six or seven years. Uh, and um, it's and it correlates with clinical and data analytics. It does, and it's really taking a closer look at the, the social detriments of health and what that overall means. And so when you think about using that data to manage the health of a population, that population could be the people being treated in that health plan. It could be the population of people being treated at a specific facility. And even more specifically, it can be the population of a particular employer that's being treated, but looking at them as a whole. What it allows, it also allows them, normally we talk about this and it's all retrospective. What happened yesterday, Mm -hmm. which is important, but what's even more important is what's going to happen tomorrow. So their intensity probably prior was more on the largest claims, people inside the the, uh, the hospital, what are we going to do to control this care? After it's happened. After it's already happened. And this passion is more around how do we manage the population and who's, who's going to end up on this island next? Right, right. More forward thinking. Um, and that rolls right into value-based payments, which is number three. And so this is the shift away from fee-for-service. And it's ways to lower costs and improve quality of care. And so we've heard a lot about value-based payments. We actually had a guest not too long ago on a podcast talking about their value-based payment structure and how they get paid. And if you think about it, you know, health plans, uh, health systems, providers, they are all in a position where they need to receive fees for their services, right? But do they have to get paid on a line item basis? And so this is saying we're going to reimburse you or pay you on outcomes. I mean, that's how we buy most other services too, right? Right. We want to make sure that if someone provides us a service, it's a good service and then we pay for it. Not just, yes, we checked a box and I did this and now I get a fee for it. Yeah. I mean, and this is a complicated subject. One we could probably spend 10 podcasts on. Yes. So you talk about reference-based pricing, you talk about Medicare Plus, you talk about a variety of different ways of how to pay for healthcare. And um, for some uncanny reason, healthcare defies all laws of economics. 
So if you think about old school, like even the telephone. Do you have a home phone? I, I do. I still have a home phone. Yeah, I do too. Sometimes I only have one handset. So we have two youngins in this uh, in, in our <laughs> podcast booth. So I'm not going to ask you to answer verbally. Do you have a home phone? No. Yeah, big, neither. big, big no. Hey, Donna, do you have a home phone? No. Oh, my gosh. Do you? I do. Oh. <laughs> I do. But you, when, when I think about it historically is normally um, it was a fee-for-service transaction. Mm-hmm. So long distance used to be a big deal. Right. I mean, you paid by the minute. And then cell phones. I grew up with a bag phone. I grew up with a flip phone. It was 25 cents a minute. Uh, our CFO back at the time would, like, lose their minds when we turn in these gigantic cell phones. And then value showed up. Right. So now it's all around, hey, um, as much data as we can use. Mm-hmm. Uh, the transaction long distance, uh, I'm not sure. They don't have long distance on cell phones anymore. Yeah, or even your my home phone. Exactly. It's, yeah. So the evolution of that transaction um, hopefully transfers into um, healthcare. Right. Don't call me on my home phone. I won't answer it. No, because so it's normally I just, don't telemarketers, yeah, so I'm not sure why I have it. <laughs> um so the value-based payments, it's going to be, you'll hear more about it. We'll talk more about it next year, um, which rolls us right into cost transparency. And the demand for this is really coming from legislation and consumers, not from the plan side and not from the provider side. And the biggest reason for that is normally contractually, they're prohibited from sharing that information. Yeah, so they're carrier, private contracts. Yeah, so is not going to share that. Uh, with us or their customers and the hospital and the health systems aren't allowed to disclose those contract amounts. In a full transparency model, it behaves like most economic services that you and I purchase every single day. Right, right. And there's there's a, a lot of statistics out there about consumers and how they shop for consumer goods and then comparing that to how they shop for health care, which is a consumer good. Um, and they say most people spend significantly more time, seven times more time, looking for a TV than they do shopping for healthcare services. And the reason that they do that is because that information is available when you look for a TV. You can go out to a website. You can click to compare. You can see everything. You can walk into a store and see a price or ask the price. Whereas in the healthcare side, it's not that easy to get the information. It- yeah, if anything can disrupt healthcare, its number one priority is transparency. Mm-hmm. The issue is who wants it and why. Right. Now, the real pairs of healthcare, which we represent, which is our employers and employees, um, they want it and they want it now. Mm-hmm. The issue is also, do you understand what you're looking for? Right. You know, right. I, I, what questions to ask. Exactly. Yeah. So you so we say, need well, a lot more I, need work a, here. I need a knee surgery. Well, or I need an MRI. Is that with contrast, without contrast? What does that look like? So we have to be careful what we ask for because we might just get it and to be sensitive with that. But without transparency, it really forces us to make poor decisions in healthcare. Right. And it's not because, um, you know, people aren't wise or people aren't interested. It's just because they don't have the information. So they can't make a good decision, which which then rolls us right into the next thing, which is total consumer health. And so thinking about this and what this means um, from their perspective, from the healthcare executive group's perspective, is people's overall well-being as well as their social and financial environments. Yeah. And so we've seen this coming for a number of years, and I think that we've been talking about this with our employer groups for 10-plus years, that it's not just, hey, here's the health plan and here's everything else. It's really an overall encompassing benefit package and concern for the overall well-being of an employee, 
thinking that the health systems are now talking about this. Um, employers have been talking about it, but it's interesting to yeah. me that the health plans and the health systems are now talking about it. Well, this. let's face it. Normally, most health systems, and I'm talking from a carrier perspective, um, and I might even get in trouble for saying this, but they're really clunky. Mm-hmm. Well, they're um, big, big institutions. They're gigantic. And a lot of them, unfortunately, smell like you know your grandfather's Oldsmobile. So I think what they're saying is, hey, look, generationally, we've got to look at the population. Um, so we look at the millennial, uh, millennials, what is their purpose, how does the economy socially, how do we adapt to this? And it's an important issue for them to, to look at. Cybersecurity, gigantic. So we just saw you know, what would happen with a number of institutions and the amount of information that we're pouring into uh, health systems and hospitals and physicians and, and carriers uh, most people are really sensitive about putting that information out they there. They are. They are. And, I mean, we do need to be sure that the health systems hold patients' information private and secure. They do need to make sure that they've got all of the correct, you know, safeguards in place. Um, what I would say about it from the other side, from the consumer side and from the employer side is, um, you know, we've been hearing about ID theft protection and we heard about it with some of the big breaches that were out there. It was offered to consumers at no cost for a period of time. Um, it it sound, sounded sort of, you know, to me, I'm like, well, that's kind of gimmicky. I don't want to buy that, whatever. But I think people should take a serious look at it for themselves personally and as an employer because the information's out there. If people want it, they can get it. When they get a hack into a big organization, it creates big problems. But it is not that difficult for someone who understands how to – manage the dark web. I don't even know what I'm talking about, but um, to get your information. So yeah. look at your <laughs> statements. Make sure someone's not using your information. Get your free credit report. Um, don't leave your you know personal information laying around. And, and make sure that when you get one of those HIPAA privacy policy notices at the doctor that you just sign and don't look at, I mean, maybe take a look at it and see what they're saying in terms of how they're safeguarding your information. Yeah, it's important. I mean, one is I had Chase sent me a credit card one time and I didn't order it. So I called them. So I was breached. So someone got my information. So now I use LifeLock and mm-hmm. also um, an, an app on TransUnion where I can lock up all three of my credit reports. Yeah. So if anybody looks at Scott, then I get an alert and it's locked. So they can't go any further. Now, are there ways around that? You betcha there are. Um, but uh, don't, be, don't be so skeptical that you won't give anybody any information. Right. That's that's ignorance. Right. But also, don't be um, uh, don't be lax about oh it. Oh my gosh, you, you you have to protect yourself. Right. Now you can't put up walls and you can't live in a cave. Right. Right. I but, mean, you're going to have to give your birth date and your social yeah, to people to get realistic. things done. Yeah. Now the, the the next one is really complicated, and I wish we could spend a lot of time on it, but it, which is healthcare reform. And unfortunately, I think that's really that's anybody's guess right now. Yeah. Um, where I'm, I'm writing a white paper right now on healthcare reform, and the title of it is "The Bottom's Going to Hurt." Yeah. So when this thing snaps, and it is going to snap, it is going to leave a deep mark, and it's going to hurt. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the question from a carrier perspective is, we don't know what to do next. Right. And of all the healthcare reform issues uh, under the Affordable Care Act. The carriers, the health insurers, were forced to make the majority of those changes first. And a lot of things that were jettisoned were mostly employer responsibilities. So because they had to do most of the heavy lifting, their question is, is what's, what's happening next? Right. 
And there's big questions in that. So more to come on that for sure. We're going to be hearing a lot about that in the coming weeks. And then harnessing mobile technology. Yeah. Uh, an important issue. And most people have a smartphone now. It's difficult to get a phone without data. I think it's still possible. Um, but most people do have a smartphone. There was a time when uh, people didn't have computers, and I think there's still some populations that don't have a home computer. But most people have a smartphone, and they know how to use it. And making sure that we, we have access to apps that are useful and helpful um, from the employee side, from the employer side, and using that in improving disease management and data collection. I mean, there's all sorts of technology out there around managing diseases. The, the one that comes to my mind the most is diabetes and that mobile technology. Yeah. So, and the issue is getting people to want to go there. They'll build an app, but nobody wants to go there. Uh, when's the last time you were on an airplane? I don't like. I don't know. A couple months ago. Yeah. So what's amazing that when you walk through the airplane, uh, so you're up in the air, thirty thousand feet, and you look at the seats. Like I'm shocked. There's like grandma and grandpa playing Candy Crush. Right. Like the whole <laughs> the whole airplane is is on the and they're, and they're all playing games. That's funny. Or and I'm playing solitaire. I'm now the grandma. Yeah. Yeah. We've changed places. But, yeah. um, but I, I think what they're looking at is how do we make this attractive right. and useful for people to go to? And it's really important. It's critical. Yeah, I think so, too. Uh, the next one's a biggie, and we've done several podcasts on this, and that's addressing pharmacy costs. This is going to continue to be talked about looking for strategies to deal with increasing costs of prescriptions. And we saw it right here in Ohio with issue two. Um, that, 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 that under the premise that it was going to help improve costs. Now, that did fail on the ballot, but um, it's going to continue to be talked about. Yeah, I mean, if there's one issue that I think we could be the fastest at uh, is in regards to how do we tackle prescription drug cost from a manufacturer's standpoint to a wholesaler's standpoint, from a PBM standpoint, um, and from an employer standpoint. And we have a lot of experience uh, in this, and it is, um, it's amazingly destructive, unbelievably confusing, and lacks all forms of transparency. But it's an easier, it's an easier rock to push uphill than the entire $4 trillion health care issues. Right. I, I just hope the state of Ohio and other states, because of issue two, uh, wasn't passed, which is which is really good for the state of Ohio. I hope we, we don't need more time. Yeah. It, we need more time. Well, and I hope we keep the pressure on it. Right. From all angles, because employers are starving, people are starving for transparency, and most undoubtedly lower prescription drug costs. For sure. Um, and the last is the engaged digital consumer, and so how that's different from mobile technology. Um, we're talking about HSAs, patient portals wellness education materials, and patient engagement overall. So not just through the mobile device, but, you know, there's a patient portal that I I, I have to say I haven't gotten into. So it's it's the MyChart yeah. patient portal, right? Uh -huh. And so I I was at the doctor recently, and they said something like, oh, you can get that on your MyChart. And I was like, ah, how do I – like, I've never logged into that. How do I get in there? What's my password? Like, I, I know MyChart's out there. I've heard people talk about it, but – I don't know how to get into it. I don't think my doctor's office ever gave me anything. I don't know anything about it. So I'd like to be an engaged consumer. Um, and so that's part of the issue here is the engaged digital consumer. How do we get information in people's hands so they look at it? Maybe they sent me something and I didn't open it. I don't know. Um, but knowing that it's out there and knowing when and how to interact with it. Yeah, it's, it's a different transaction. So think about managing your checking account without any records. 
that's a disaster. I mean, think about it. Yeah. And the whole banking industry would just crumble. Oh my gosh. I mean, but <laughs> for a lot would of be us, overdrawn. <laughs> we have a transaction, so and we have a source to be able to go to. So I have an app on my phone mm-hmm. uh, with um, the bank that I use. I love it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, it used to take me forty-five minutes to pay my bills. It takes me probably ten minutes, and I do it all on my phone. Right. But if there's questions about what my activity, whether it be last month, last year, two years before, I have records of all of that. Right. And society needs to understand that this information can be tremendously useful to people. Unfortunately, um, a lot of people wait until the last analysis. Right. So I'm uh, now I'm stricken with the disease or I'm stricken with an issue. So, oh my gosh, now I care. Right. Now I care. Right. Um, the issue is, is how do they, how, how do these organizations get us to care early? Ahead of time. Exactly. Right. Yeah. And I'm not sure how we do that because we're not involved in the transaction. When we just pay pennies on the dollar and the health systems and employers are paying the bulk of that, uh, society, as bad as our health care system is today, we still don't care as much as we should. Right. People care less because they're not, not as, as on the hook for it. So exactly. I think there's a lot of things coming in 2018. Um, that's that's the top 10 list as, as we know it. And... I think if you've got questions about any of this, you want to make comments about any of this, you think something else should be on that top 10 list, send us a note at ann at healthierbirthdays.com. Or scott at healthierbirthdays.com. Thanks for joining us on Side Effects. See you next time. Thanks for listening and opening your mind. If you're interested in learning more, you can reach us at scott at healthierbirthdays.com. Or ann at healthierbirthdays.com. We hope you'll join us next time on on Side Side Effects. Effects.